the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I've been saying things that some of you have been really disagreeing with and have become very angry with me about. But I'm not here to please you. I'm not here to have you like me. I'm here to speak a very honest word of the living God. I've paid too much of a price in my life to come to you and be dishonest. I'll never forget when I was just beginning in the life of the Spirit. I received a call from a man coming from Colorado Springs, and he said, I'm a prophet. I'd like to visit your church. I'll be in your area. I said, that'd be wonderful. Please come. It was a Wednesday night. It was a small group. The prophet came, and he said, I have words of knowledge that I'd like to share with each one of you individually. So we sat there, and he went around the circle, and he spoke his wonderful words of knowledge for each person. And they were glowing words. They were loving words. They were supportive words. They were prophetic in what God was going to do for them. I checked this man out. He had a very good reputation in Colorado Springs. He was highly respected. We felt privileged that he would come to our small fellowship and speak the straight word of God to us about what God was going to do for us. But as the year progressed, none of what he said was true. But when he left, he left with an offering. That was the agreement. He would take an offering at the end. And I handed him some $800 at the end. That was a huge sacrifice for me and for the people. We were struggling financially. And off he went to his next church. The next year, he called me again. And he said, Pastor Ray, we had such a good time last year. I'd love to come again to your congregation. I said, my brother, you did not speak the truth to us. You spoke lies in the name of the Lord, and you're not welcome to come back. He was very disappointed and very upset with me. How can you say that? I said, very simply, because nothing that you said came to pass. You spoke lies. You comforted us. You encouraged us. But you were lying to us. And with that, he said, well, if you change your mind, call me. I'll always be happy to come back and prophesy. A hireling, a liar, a cheater, a thief. The church is filled today with liars in America. With thieves. The church is sick today. The American church is desperately sick in America. It is lukewarm at the very best. Everybody seems to be fat and happy and we'll go to our church and we'll hear the encouraging words and, and we'll believe them, never mind that they don't come to pass. Never mind that 
the pastor can drive his BMW or Mercedes. A wonderful lifestyle. But the church is just lukewarm. My heart is sick today. My heart is sick because of what I see happening. What will it take for the for the people of God in America to cast aside the hirelings and the lies and become hungry for Jesus? America is on the verge of civil war. Don't doubt me when I say that. In Seattle, they have now set up a no-go zone for police or military. The mayor has agreed. So what did they do next? They broke into City Hall. They are now shipping in from China and from other places, according to intelligence reports, high-powered automatic weapons. We will see bullets fly in America in war, in uprisings and upheaval. And we're going to see the economy destroyed in America. We have probably about another two to three weeks before there's another serious downturn in the stock market. It's headed down to somewhere in the range of 5,000. It may take until 2022 to get there, but it's... It's on the way down. It's following the pattern of the 1929 crisis when starvation was in this nation. Now, please, we're not going back to normal. We're not going to go back to our easy fast food, recreation, football. We're not going back. God is bringing judgment upon the church in America. What's happening in America rests solely in the lap of the American church. As the Southern Baptist Convention is bleeding people, losing finances, concerned that they may not even be able to continue United Methodist Church on the point of dividing over the issue of homosexuality and other issues, bleeding members and bleeding finances. Churches are going bankrupt. We've been fat and happy. And I hear Christians say, oh, I'm saved. Jesus loves me unconditionally. I'm on my way to heaven. Are you kidding me? Any of you today listening to this broadcast who are not seriously concerned about your salvation because you're happy in Jesus, you need to read the scriptures and understand that you're in grave danger because the church is in apostasy and it is sick in America. It is lukewarm at very best. So I've come this week speaking some very straight words about Black Lives Matter, the political arm, the, the communist arm of the Democrat Party, 
and Tifa. I've come speaking very strong words, saying, I will not bow, and I will not bow to the devil and his minions. And I won't bow to being a pleasing, ear-tickling pastor. I come here to speak the truth. I've paid a heavy price to be here. And I'm not going to welsh on my responsibility to speak prophetically into your life if you're brave enough to listen on the radio and tune in. If you're brave enough to support financially. I'm going to continue being very straight and very honest. And I have another very strong word for you today. A terrifying word. It comes again out of the book of Daniel, the fourth chapter. This king, Nebuchadnezzar, has another dream. He's contented, the scriptures say. He's prosperous, and he has a dream that makes him afraid. As he's lying in his bed, the images and visions that passed through his mind terrified him. It's time for terrifying visions and words for the American church. So Nebuchadnezzar again commands all the wise men of Babylon to be coming in to interpret his dream. They can't do it. Finally, he calls for Daniel. Daniel comes in. He speaks to Daniel and he says, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew strong and large and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all, and under it the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. Pretty apt description of the American Christian church, isn't it? All show and no go. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, suddenly sees a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. And this messenger cried out, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal, till seven times pass for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict. This is something the angels have declared. The watchmen so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. I think that's exactly what God is in the process of doing with the American Christian Church. 
tall and beautiful buildings that we have never seen any church possess. The finest trained pastors ever put in the field. Cash flowing. Programs. Everybody's attending. Everybody's saying, oh, wow, another concert. Pastors preaching wonderful sermons. No convicting word. No condemnation calling for repentance. No exposing of sin. Just, hey, let the good times roll. We've got it made here. We're on our way to heaven. Are you? That's not what Jesus says. I'll move to that in just a moment. But let's finish this story. As Daniel listens to this, the scriptures say his thoughts terrified him. I'm no Daniel, but my thoughts terrify me about what God is about to do to the American Christian church. But I can tell you, you're going to continue attending your wonderful church with your comforting words and your beautiful music and your facilities that are second to none. God's about to tear all of that down in America. He's terrified. Daniel's terrified by what he sees. I'm terrified by what I see coming to the American Christian church. My Lord, Daniel says, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. He's saying, I wish I didn't have to speak this word. And I tell you today, I wish I didn't have to speak this word. I wish I didn't have to say the American Christian church is so sick it's about to die. It's feeding on itself. The young people have already fled in large part from the church. They're no longer here. They may still call themselves Christians, but they are utterly disgusted by the church. I sat not long ago in the back of a mega church, and I watched as the the boys, 9, 10, and 11, all of them seated with their parents with a video game in their hand playing it through the worship service. Really? And mom and dad were okay with that, training their kids to go to hell. Daniel says, you, O king, are that tree. You're great and you're strong and your greatness has reached the sky and even to the distant parts of the earth. But you, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven, saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field. The Lord is not going to destroy the church. There is going to be, in the end, a remnant of people coming up out of that stump. But the church, as we know it today, is going to be cut down. It will not survive what's coming. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, 
let him live like the wild animals until seven times passes by for him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my lord the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass for you until you acknowledge the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. That's true today of the church. Jesus is the sovereign not the denominations, not the Pope, not your pastor, not your rector, Jesus, not your traditions, not your ways, not your prayer books, not your institutions. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. And that will be a remnant. Now listen. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. This is Daniel's advice to the modern American church. Renounce your sins by what by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then that your prosperity will continue. So Daniel has a very simple formula. He is saying Repent of your wickedness. And be kind to the poor. And perhaps God will turn his wrath away from you. If you will repent. If you will be changing your actions so that you're not concerned about your own welfare, but you're concerned about your brother. You're loving your brother and your sister. then maybe God will turn aside his judgment. I wish, I wish each of you would, would repent and be kind to the poor. It's a very simple formula from Daniel. Get right with God. Stop the games. Some of you are saying, Oh, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. While you're getting drunk and going to the clubs, while you're going to the pornography and the fornication, the adultery, bitterness and anger, hostility. Some of you say, Oh, I'm on my way to heaven while you don't really care about anything but your own body and your comfort. And you don't care about Jesus. It's just a sentimental, oh, I love Jesus, duh. Please. All this happened in Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, that's one year later, 
The king is walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence for my mighty power, by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Is this not the church that we have worked so hard to build? We've done such a wonderful job. And this dear brother, this dear sister, they've been such a key part of our building this church. Brother, we love you. Thank you. And great honor is poured out on men, not on Jesus. Have you ever watched as as the pastor will spend 10, 15, 20 minutes patting each person on the back, making everybody feel good and important and like they're necessary. Well, of course they are to maintain his kingdom. Come on, open your eyes. This game has to stop. Jesus has to be proclaimed from our pulpits. Jesus has to be lifted up and the word has to go out get right with him repent of your sin put aside your pride and your arrogance and your hardness of heart turn your televisions off move away from your computers and your cell phones read the scriptures cry aloud to the almighty God that he might save the church in America we're dying and the judgment is falling. We've been put on time out. And now we're slowly beginning to come back, and everybody's, oh, we're going to go back, and it's going to be great, everything. No, it's not. The judgments of God are coming on the church in America. We have sinned against the Almighty God. We have sinned beyond anything you can imagine. And our arrogance and our pride So 12 months later, nothing has changed in Nebuchadnezzar. Isn't this a wonderful place that we've built together? Isn't this great? We've paid our mortgage. We've done this. We've done that. You're such wonderful people. I went to one church and the pastor and his wife are co-pastors the wife was singing the praises of her wonderful husband and how wonderful he was as a pastor and how we need to respect him. And then it was the husband's time to heap great praise upon his first lady, he called her. Garbage. Wickedness. The words are still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass for you until you acknowledge the Most Highest Sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. And immediately it was fulfilled. And finally, after seven times has passed over him, Nebuchadnezzar raises his eyes toward heaven, and his sanity is restored. 
and he praised the Most High and honored and glorified him who lives forever. He said, His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the people of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all of his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he will humble. He is able to humble. The Lord is about ready to humble the American church. He's already started. He put us on time out. And we're not going to go back to normal. God is judging the American church. Now, what I'm saying may make you angry, but that's not my purpose. My purpose is to cause you to see that the American church is very much like Nebuchadnezzar. And the party is stopped. And the Lord God of heaven may turn his his heart. If we will but do what Daniel said, to depart from our wickedness and be kind to the poor. I want to share with you a New Testament passage. This is in Colossians, the third chapter. Since then you have been raised with Christ. In other words, since you know about Jesus, and most of you listening to this broadcast know about Jesus. You don't know the truth about Jesus in the most part because many of you still believe you can walk in your wickedness and you'll still be saved. That's a lie. You've been lied to by pastors about what is going to really happen in the judgment day. But Paul is saying, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Is your life hidden? in Jesus Christ today. This broadcast I titled Hidden in Christ, in Jesus. Are you hidden in Him? Or are you hidden in religion? Are you hidden in the false words of encouragement that allow you to continue walking in the ways of the world? Paul goes on. He doesn't stop there. He says in verse 5, Put to death or mortify, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And he's going to tell us exactly what belongs to the earthly nature. And this is what he's getting at. Now, what does it mean to put to death or to mortify? Sin is mortified when its power is destroyed. 
sin is mortified when its power is destroyed well how is the power of sin destroyed in your life through repentance through turning from wickedness through turning to jesus in great humility and saying lord if you don't come and save me i can't be saved my heart is cold or lukewarm i don't do the things i used to do remember over here in revelation let me read it for you again let me turn here quickly this is the message Chapter 3, verse 1. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains. It's about to die. For I've not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard and obey it and repent but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at all what time I will come to you. What I'm telling you today is that Jesus is about to come to the American church because we're dead. We're dead. We're sick. We're dying. And the finances are about to be totally removed from the American church. You will see church buildings foreclosed on and closed because the people can't maintain them. But then there are other words in this this selection of letters. where he says in the church of Ephesus I hold this against you did you know Jesus holds sin against you and there is no covering of grace for your sin grace teaches us to say no to sin to ungodliness according to Titus verse 4 this is chapter 2, verse 4 of Revelation. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. What's that mean? It means Jesus is going to take your pastor out. You're going to lose your place. This is Jesus warning the American church today. So he says, Colossians, the third chapter, hide yourself in Christ. I'm telling you now, there is only one safe place for you or for me, and it's not the church. 
Right now, the church is one of the most dangerous places you can be because by and large, you're going to hear these smooth words flow over you like oil to lull you to sleep and convince you that you're saved and on your way to heaven in the midst of your cold-heartedness, in the midst of your sin. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now, these are the things that he's saying. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. I'm warning you, the wrath of God is coming at the American church. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such thing as these, anger, rage, malice, that is bitterness, hostility, slander, filthy language from your lips, don't lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self and its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Have you done this? Or are you fat and happy? I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. In spite of your angry heart, in spite of your bitterness and hatred toward other people, I'm on my way to heaven. I'm saved in spite of your lust and love of darkness, your cold-heartedness. Some of you, you have a difficult time even praying because you've never poured your heart out in love to Jesus. You're just in love with religion. You've never come face to face with Jesus and understand that he will remove the lampstand from your life. He will remove the church from your, from your life. Some of you have such love for your buildings and your, and your wonderful celebrations and your decorations and your pastor all dressed up in his robes and the Lord's going to remove it. His judgment is coming on the church. The day of his judgment is at hand, just as it was for Nicodemus. And all it took was one more Sunday of glorifying man and feasting on the things of darkness. And Jesus will say, Okay, Pastor, I'm done with you. Church, I'm finished with you. I'm taking the lampstand. You may carry on your religion, but I will not be present. And believe me, he has already left many churches. He's already gone. And what they have left is the residue. What they have left is their, their traditions and their ways. But the presence of the Holy Spirit is gone. They try to work it up with their praise and worship, 
but the praise and worship is wicked before the Lord God of heaven. Judgment has been assigned the American church. I don't say that with any sense of pleasure. It pains my heart. I weep over this in private. I say, Lord, have mercy on your church. And he will if we repent as Americans. But we're proud, we're arrogant, we're, we're hard-hearted. We like what we like. Our lifestyle is everything. What are you going to do when Jesus comes to take away your blessing? What are, you, what are you going to do? How are you going to stand? As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. As you sing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Fathers, don't embitter your children. I mean, all the directions are there for what God wants us to do. But in our arrogance and our pride, we have refused as the American church. We want to build the great edifice. We want to build the great congregations. We want to, we want to have everybody love us and be happy with everybody. We can't be pleasers and be Christians. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I wish I could call a solemn assembly... But I can tell you now that if I called for a solemn assembly, most of you would not come. The hour would be inconvenient, and above all, you don't want to inconvenience yourself. If I called for a most of you would not come because you're already convinced you're on your way to heaven and you're saved. If I called for a solemn assembly, would you come?
I'm almost ready to say, if you would come to a solemn assembly, no matter what time, day or night, if you're ready to repent and get really serious with Jesus, why don't you send me a text and tell me, yes, Pastor, I would come. No matter where or what time, I will inconvenience myself and I will come and prostrate myself before Jesus Christ and I will repent and get right with God. If you would do that, why don't you text me? I'll give you the phone number. I already know what's going to happen. But I want to know if you know. 703-489-1785. Shoot me a text. Tell me, would you come to a solemn assembly? to repent and get right with Jesus and pray for the American church? Pray for your church? My phone's right here. And you know what? One text came in. That's about what I expected. I know this city. I've been preaching in it for 50 years. I've been proclaiming the name of Jesus as straight as I could possibly do it. Immature, yeah. Struggling, yeah, often. What will it take for you to finally say, look, Pastor, Not only do I know that what you're saying is true, my heart is so sorrowful. I can't stand it. I'll come to a solemn assembly. If I get enough text, you know what I'll do? I'll call a pastor and I'll say, Yes, pastor. Yes, pastor. I'll come. We have two more who said, yes, I'll come. Anybody else come? You Would you come and repent and seek Jesus with all of your heart? If you would come, text me, 703 489 one seven eight five three people. It's time. It's time for a solemn assembly. That's what Joel tells us. Call for a solemn assembly.
it's not going to be easy for you, for us, to get past this place of absolute comfort and self-satisfaction. Well, now we have four people who have said, yes, I'll come. Where are you? Would you come? Text me, 703-489-1785. Send me a text. Say, yes, I'll come. I'm doing this to, to, to make a point. I'll do a solemn assembly if people will come. I'll ask the pastor of a local church, maybe in Springfield where we can gather, maybe in Woodbridge. Would you come? Will you humble your heart? Will you get right with Jesus? Will you will you repent of your ways? And of your lukewarmness? Will you turn away from the television and the and the foolishness of the entertainment of our day? Will you interrupt yourself and say, I must get to Jesus? Would you do that? Wait for another minute. We have one man who has texted us from Florida. He said, yes, I'll come. From Florida. Yes, I'll come. So it's uh, six people so far have said they would come. Isn't it time? Do you see what I'm talking about? Do you see how serious this is? We need to stop glorifying each other. We need to stop patting each other on the back. We need to stop singing the praise of how great our church is and how beautiful our facility is and how wonderful our children's program is how friendly we are and how you can come and get a donut and a cup of coffee. No, it's time we say, let's come and get Jesus. And let's get serious with him. Let's bow before him and let's humble our hearts. It's time. I'll hold and call for a solemn assembly when people say yes. Yes, Pastor, I'll be there. Some years ago, I rented the Hilton Chapel that seats 4,000. And I called for the solemn assembly. And we had about 15 people come in a 4,000-seat auditorium. 
No, Jesus is going to have to shut down the church before we get very serious about this. But he's in the process of shutting it down. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Thank you, each one of you who participates and by the will of the Lord Jesus helps open the way for this broadcast on the radio. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. I love you, my brother and my sister. I'm praying for you. Pray with me about a solemn assembly. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, his glory.